0: I can't think of anything more intimidating than having Davy sitting in the front row next to Eric and seeing another five Davies out in the congregation this morning. But welcome. And welcome to those of you that are watching at home. I felt so very honored when. Dave called me some weeks ago and asked if I would speak. He's a great pastor and he blesses me every Sunday with his phenomenal sermons and he speaks to me. And so it's a great honor to be in his pulpit today. I was surprised when uh, David and Erica asked me several years ago if I would join the staff. And I said to someone, I wasn't quite sure why Dave wanted me to come on his staff. And they said, well, you are a compliment to each other. You are direct opposites. (laughs) And then they said, he's an intellectual. (laughs) They felt he needed balance. I pray for him daily, and I hope you will, too. I am blessed to be on such a great staff. It took me four retirements to get here. (laughs) Now, during my message this morning, I'm going to ask you four critical questions to both encourage and to challenge you, all of which are essential for every believer for us to answer for every individual and for every member of PCLG. Therefore, I recommend that you write these questions down. You can use the back of your bulletins to write on. And for those at home, I would encourage you to get a pad of paper and pen to follow along. But first, I want to read the New Testament text of the morning. Luke 9, 57 to 62. As they were going along the road, and I remind you they're on the road to Jerusalem, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Disturb us, Lord, when we're too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we've dreamed too little when we arrive safely because we sail too close to the shore. Disturb us, Lord, when with the abundance of things we possess, we've lost our thirst for the waters of life. Having fallen in love with life, we've ceased to dream of eternity. And in our efforts to build a new earth, we've allowed our vision of a new heaven to dim Disturb us Lord to dare more boldly to venture on wider seas where storms will show your mastery. While losing sight of the land, we shall find the stars. We ask you to push back the horizons of our hopes and to push into the future in strength, courage, hope, and love. Amen. That prayer was written by Sir Francis Drake in 1577. We're all familiar with the scriptural accounts of Jesus calling his disciples. You remember one day he's walking barefoot down the beach and he sees James and John in their fishing boat and he called them to follow and immediately they left their nets and they followed Jesus. Rumor is that it wasn't long afterwards that their father Zebedee posted a help wanted sign. Remember Levi, who immediately left his income tax business to follow Jesus. Andrew introduced his brother Simon, who became known as Peter, to Jesus, and they too left their fishing nets and followed him. Throughout the sermon, I want you to keep in mind the mandate that Jesus gave to his disciples and to all who follow him. Go. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Unfortunately, I believe that we have manipulated this gospel command to fit our cultural preferences. I challenge you this morning to examine the demands that Jesus made of those who were to become his followers. George Gallup contends that fewer than 10% of those who call themselves Christians are really deeply committed. The majority who profess Christianity, he says, do not know basic Christian teachings and most importantly have not altered their lifestyle because of their Christian experience. The text of the morning, Jesus lays down radical demands for discipleship and it's not easy. The key word this morning is follow. Fred Craddock writes of these verses, Jesus had no bargains to offer. He demands priority over the best of all who would be disciples. Jesus was not using gimmicks to get new followers in our text this morning, does he, neither does he today. He was simply, boldly, making it clear from the start, if you want to follow him, you must abandon everything, even your family. Dave spoke about this last Sunday. These demands are made of everyone who considers following Jesus. He must be Lord of all. He must be Lord of all. In other words, the only way to follow Jesus as a true disciple is to follow him totally without reservation. He demands our whole heart. Now that brings me to question one. You ready to write it down? Got your paper? What is my motive for following Jesus? What is my motive for following Jesus? There are many who think that following Jesus is important, but it's not the most important thing in life. The three men in our text thought that following Jesus was a good thing, but it wasn't the most important thing in their life. Listen to Jesus' words. If anyone wants to come after me, They need to deny themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. In the case of the first man, Jesus must have thought that his offer to follow was a bit compulsive. I will follow Jesus wherever you go. He didn't even have an invitation to follow. He just simply volunteered and obviously had not thought it through carefully what following Jesus would entail. Have you? Have you? I remind you that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to a cross. And following Jesus was not a piece of cake. Jesus emphasized that he's homeless. Following him would not be a five-star hotel, but it possibly would mean homelessness. Foxes have holes, he says, that they can return at night. Birds have nests. But Jesus had no place to call home. Believing in Jesus does not promise comfort or self-advancement. It involves surrender to his will. Following Jesus requires a life of self-denial. He demands priority in our lives, first place over all. J.C. Riles writes, Jesus would have no man, no woman to follow him under false pretenses. We must consider the cost. Following Jesus is far more than attending church on Sunday and then returning to what life was like before. It means serving him on Monday and each of the following days in the office, in the classroom, in the home. The mandate of Jesus can only be carried out by those who proclaim him as their Savior and declare him as Lord. No, Jesus was not a, a dishonest recruiter. Following Jesus meant more than personal comfort. So to this first man, Jesus presents a challenge, the cost. What are you signing him up for? So I ask you this morning, what have you signed up for? That brings me to question two, ready? Have I given Jesus Christ priority in my life above all others, even my family? The second man thought that following Jesus was important but not as important as his family obligations. Fred Craddock writes again, loyalty to me takes precedence over primarily, primary family obligations He's saying here to, his, to the, this man, I expect more from you than Elijah asked of Elisha. William Barclay suggests that Jesus wants his disciples to sense the urgency of the Great Commission. He writes, in all probability the father was not even dead. And not even nearly dead. The man is saying Jesus, I will follow you after my father has died when it's more convenient Jesus urges us to act at once when we hear the call to follow all else should be put aside remember the call may never return Jesus' emphasis is upon the call the urgency, the mandate this was his moment for decision and Jesus says proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God or go back home Question three, are you willing to follow Jesus only when it's convenient for you or when he calls you? The third man says he wants to go home and say goodbye to everyone before he follows Jesus. Jesus knows all. You know, with Jesus, there are no secrets. He knows every deed He knows every thought. He knows every motive behind the deeds. Jesus could tell immediately that this man's heart was divided. He wanted to keep doors open in the event that things didn't work out and he could always go back home. Jesus demands a clean break from the past. Paul wrote, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is a disciple, they are a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. Our hearts and our minds cannot be divided between the old way of life, what it was like before Jesus, to the new life following our commitment to follow. He is not to be secondary in our lives. He is to be primary. He demands a commitment that requires the reordering of our lives and putting to rest once for all the past. It is to say, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Say that with me, will you? I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. Do you? I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And these words of Paul, in him I live and move and have my very being. Say it with me, in him. I live and move and have my very being. Say it again. In Him, I live and move and have my very being. What does that mean? All of life evolves around Jesus. All of life is around Him. We don't have a secular and a sacred part of our life. All of life evolves around Him. At the breakfast table, in the classroom, in worship. In him, we live and move and have our very being. Listen to me. Following Jesus as his disciple is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And we can't take it lightly, folks. Jesus challenged us with reaching a world and we're not doing it. We're falling behind. We can't take it lightly. Commitment to Christ cannot be based on an emotional, idealistic decision. The first man was probably caught up with the euphoria of the moment. Think of it crowds were following Jesus and they came to town, and hundreds were being healed, and some had been raised from the dead, and Jesus. Disciples were part of this exciting movement and this man wanted to be part of the action. I'll follow you wherever you go. He hadn't thought about what was ahead. But Jesus realized that man had not thought it through carefully. He had not considered the cost. Profession is easy. Practice over the long haul is a test. Commitment to Christ cannot be a casual, whatever you find time to do, matter. What could be more noble than, and more biblical than bearing one's father? But Jesus wouldn't allow this would-be follower to postpone his commitment until it was convenient for this noble purpose. Commitment to Christ cannot be a phase in life that you can put behind you someday. While the Christian life is a process of daily yielding more and more to God, it cannot be approached from a mentality, I'll try it, I'll try it and see if it works. He never gave us that option. Since the only way to follow Jesus is totally for each of us to soberly ask the question this morning, am I following Jesus totally? Is this commission worth our total selves? Will our lives be marked with indecisive minds or by undivided hearts? Will our lives be marked by indecisive minds Or undivided hearts. If you don't count the cost, you'll be like the first man. How do we implement total commitment to Jesus on a daily basis? Again, I quote Fred Craddock. Usually giving our life to Christ isn't glorious. It's done in all those little acts of denying self for Jesus' sake. It'd be easy to go out in a flash of glory, but it's harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. That kind of daily commitment in small increments begins with a total trusting of your life and your eternal destiny to Jesus Christ. He gave himself to a cross so that you would not have to face and give an account for your sins. Jesus calls us to turn from your selfishness and to follow him. And if you say, I'll follow Jesus, but... you must erase the but. The only way to follow Jesus is totally. Question four. What if Jesus... What if today you gave as much of yourself as you know to as much of Christ as you can understand and promise to follow him? What if today you gave as much of yourself as you can know to as much of Christ as you can understand and promise to follow him? For what seems impossible or even unimaginable with you is possible with God. If you don't believe it, <laughs> read your Bible. With God, all things are possible. Lord, I pray for your grace in my life. Forgive me for being indecisive. Give me the grace to have an undivided heart. And break my heart, O God, with the things that break the heart of God. And Lord, I pray what I pray for myself. I pray for these whom you love. These for whom you gave your life. I pray for grace this morning on those on the edge of decision to follow. Grant them your grace to accept the challenge as best they can. Lord, I pray this in your name. You, the one who commissioned us with the challenge of discipling a world, grant us courage, fill us with grace and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Amen.